Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is a very special episode of A View from the Couch. An SEC Championship, not necessarily preview, but kind of primer, if you will. Getting ready for the game on Saturday. What I'd like to do today is just talk a little bit about the season and how we feel or how it seems most Georgia fans feel going into the game and kind of give you what we'll call on this special episode a Tuesday lean. So thank you so much for joining me and let's get going. For the third straight season, Georgia is headed to the SEC championship game. They're 11 and 1. But I've got to admit and and maybe the safest thing for me to do is to try to speak for the majority of this podcast today just about my own personal feelings rather than uh, projecting a lot of what you may be feeling based on a lot of what I see online is just very negative. There's a, a Facebook group that I'm a part of that I just got invited to kind of in the middle of this season. It's a closed group and uh, it's supposed to just be for Georgia fans, but I don't know if there's just people in there that have way too much time on their hand or if they're just trolling, but it's just insanely negative. And so I don't know how much of my personal feelings about this season and, and the upcoming game on Saturday are really based on that negative kind of environment that I've been seeing online and how much of it is real. So just going to kind of talk through some of that today and 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 more than anything, just try to kind of give us a context for where we are maybe how we should be feeling now and potentially how we'll be feeling you know about eight o'clock on Saturday night so for me I am stuck in between feeling extremely negative and a feeling of contentment and and let me talk about that a minute let's talk about first the negative there's no doubt that the loss to South Carolina was extremely disappointing. Not just that Georgia lost the game. Georgia's lost the game each of the last three seasons now. But the way they lost the game, the the ineffective offense, the completely awful, awful way that Georgia played that day. And in hindsight, I think one thing that we need to be able to admit about that game is that South Carolina did not play well. You know, South Carolina, they hit the big play early in the game uh, before the quarterback got hurt. Before Helensky got hurt, he hit the one big pass play. But South Carolina, it's not like they they had this excellent game where they really outplayed Georgia. Georgia was just so ineffective offensively in that game. A normal offensive output for Georgia in that game as far as yards would have produced a victory. But I'm not sure winning or losing that game is really what has defined the way fans, and again, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, the way I feel about this team. To me, the last couple of years have, for the most part, felt good. Obviously, 2017, I remember telling my brother at the time, it'll never feel as good as it did in 2017 because it was the first time, because it was, you know, all new. Every week when Georgia won, there was, you know, you could look at it on paper and say, well, okay, Georgia's playing Florida this week. Georgia's a lot better than Florida. But we had not experienced a season like that, where that deep into the season we were undefeated, ranked number one after the first college football playoff rankings came out. The playoff was a real 
possibility. The last time Georgia had been in a position like that was 2012, and really even that year, it didn't happen till very late in the year with some late losses when it set up that Georgia was going to have an opportunity in the SEC title game to to perhaps get into the BCS championship game for the first time. Before that, you had to go back to 2007 when the season seemed over and lost. The team caught fire, but more than anything, with two losses, the rest of college football came back to Georgia that year. So that by the end of the season, there was kind of a, well, could they get in? They might get in. But by and large, I mean, you're talking about starting in 2003 up until 2017, maybe two times that you could consider that Georgia was really in the hunt for a national championship or even just in the conversation into November. So 2017 was magical because it was just new. I mean, we were coming off a five-loss season in 2018 or 2016. We had lost to Vanderbilt. We had lost to Tech. We almost lost to Nichols at home. You, you, you could not see it coming. The dramatic win in the Rose Bowl, I mean, every week just seemed positive. And even after the loss against Auburn, you knew Georgia was going to be in the SEC championship game. So there was like, hey, there's, there's still a, a chance that something good could happen here. But I do remember that SEC championship game against Auburn before that day. We had uh, my son's birthday party that morning around lunchtime and then the game at 4 o'clock that afternoon. And I remember talking to people at the party and saying, well, if, if we catch some breaks, if, if this happens or if that happens, maybe we have a chance. The loss to Auburn on the road at Auburn was so dominant. It was so overwhelming. Even the most optimistic Georgia fan, of which I have been accused of being many times, really had to kind of pause and be hesitant about whether or not Georgia really could compete with Auburn. Because you had seen on the field that that Saturday in Alabama, Georgia could not compete with Auburn. They were not nearly the good enough on the lines of scrimmage. They were not nearly good enough as far as discipline. They just weren't good enough at all. So... There was a lot of trepidation going into that game for me because you had just seen the game three weeks earlier, and it was hard to believe that that much could change in such a short period of time. Even when the game was happening, until Swift made that run in the fourth quarter down the sideline where he raced Kirby to the end zone, I didn't think – I wouldn't say that I was very confident until that moment. When we scored that touchdown, that was when it felt like the game was put away and it became real that we were going to be in the playoff. I think similarly, you can't tell me that at halftime of that Oklahoma Rose Bowl, you felt good. You know, I mean, okay, Rod kicked the long field goal, and in hindsight, everybody wants to kind of point back and say, oh, well, there was a lot of confidence. Once he kicked that field goal and we were only down 17, then you felt good. No, you didn't. You sat there just like I did for the entirety of halftime going, man, it doesn't seem like this is going to happen. So the 2017 season was kind of you know, led with skepticism, like, okay, when's the ride going to end? And unfortunately, it ended the way it did in the national championship game. But that entire season, that entire experience was just overwhelmingly positive because it felt like it was the beginning of something. Last year, the loss to LSU, you know, if you looked at the schedule before the year, you could point to the LSU game and go, okay, going on the road at LSU, they're a solid team. That might be the game you lose. So, Georgia lost. They lost by 20. They didn't look good in the game. And if you remember, and I was right there, hey, maybe we need to give Justin Fields a look. 
hey, maybe we, you know, maybe we need to move on. This, this isn't working. It was very frustrating watching that game. But then you get the bye week. You come back the next week. Fields doesn't play at all. It's all from, and he has probably his best game um, of last season, of the regular season of last season, against Florida. Georgia pulls away from Florida. They win the division again. And I'll be honest with you, I felt very confident about the SEC championship game last year. I remember talking to some people at church and talking about the idea that it, as impressive as Alabama had seen, and there was talk, and, and this is one of the things that is forgotten about Alabama last year because of the way it ended against Clemson, but there was talk about Alabama being the greatest team in the history of college football. That was what the narrative was all year. They were blowing people out. They were just dominant. The offense looked completely uh, perfect on every level. Nobody would be able to compete with them. But what I saw the few times I could watch Alabama was a team that was overwhelming people early in games, getting up big, and then taking a, the opposition out of their game plan and making them play Alabama's game. You also saw Tua dropping back with a huge windup, throwing the, fall, the ball as far as he could downfield to receivers who were running scot-free down the middle of the field. And I put on my podcast last year, I don't think Kirby's going to allow him to throw down the field that way. He may have to throw underneath. They may be able to run the ball. But Kirby showed last year, and I specifically remember talking about the Missouri game. You had Drew Locke at Missouri, and you basically said, hey, Drew Locke's not going to win this game for Missouri. Now, their running back ran for well over 100 yards, but Georgia won the game by two touchdowns. So I really felt confident going into that SEC championship game in 2018 that Georgia would be able to compete, and they did compete. Now, I thought Georgia would win the game, and, and for all intents and purposes, they should have won the game. Um, the same thing that happened in the 2018 National Championship game happened, of course. You get a perfect game plan to stop Tua. He gets hurt. In comes Jalen Hurts, and, you know, we, we all know how it ends. But there was a lot of doubt. Georgia was, a, I believe, a 12-point underdog going into that 2018 SEC Championship game. And coming out of that game, even though Georgia didn't make the playoff, there were some legitimate college football analysts, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, being the most notable, that were saying Georgia proved they should be in the playoff based on the way that they played against this Alabama team that many considered to be the greatest team in the history of college football. Now, Georgia didn't get into the playoff. I said last year I didn't think they should have gotten into the playoff based on the fact that they had their chance and they missed it. And I do think Georgia was one of the best four teams in college football last year, and I definitely think the bowl performance doesn't have anything to do with how good they were. But Georgia had a path. Georgia had a way to get in, and they didn't beat Alabama, even though it was sitting right there in front of them. So I didn't think they should get another shot. And the only way Georgia would have got in last year was over a Notre Dame team that had won all their games. And I just honestly didn't feel like that was right either. So the confidence level coming out of 2018 and into 2019 despite the loss to texas in the sugar bowl there was a lot of talk at the beginning of this year that it was championship or bust that this was the year Fromm was a junior this is the last year we're going to have swift this offensive line was supposed to be dominant and i said before the season championship or bust is not a smart or really a 
a logical expectation for a program that has not won a championship since 1980. There was success that could be found without winning a championship this year. And as I sit here five days before the SEC championship game, I have to tell you, this was a successful season. You fans that might be listening to this thinking, oh, Georgia stinks, we're not any good, that – that doesn't make any sense. We're 11 and one that we're the number four team in the, the country. There's not one team outside of the top three, the undefeated teams right now that wouldn't want to be in Georgia's position because what Georgia has is what Oklahoma or well, Oregon's out, but Oklahoma, Utah, Baylor, those three teams that are hoping to get in, they have to root against Georgia. And the reason they do is because Georgia controls their own destiny. So here we are, heading into the first weekend of December, controlling our own destiny for the third straight year. The program has not gone backwards. Was the loss to South Carolina okay? Was it good? Of course not. But neither was the loss to LSU last year. Neither was the loss to Auburn in 2017. But that happens sometimes. What we have to realize is you cannot take it for granted. You cannot take for granted that Georgia controls their own destiny. Now, what we do with that destiny will dictate a lot of how we feel about all of this afterward. Because I'm telling you right now, if Georgia goes out, beats LSU, makes the playoff, and somehow manages to win the national championship, everybody's going to look back and forget how they felt about this team before we knew the end result. I said earlier in the season, the big problem with the way the fan base was treating this season was that we're reading a book, we haven't gotten to the end of the book, and we want to judge whether or not we like the book. If you're going to read the book, you have to wait to the end. Because if the end of the book is we're playing Oklahoma in a couple of weeks in the Sugar Bowl, and let's say we lose that game, and now we're an 11-3 and team, that lost the SEC championship game and lost the bowl game again, I think it's okay to be disappointed with that. Frankly, I think it's okay to be disappointed at 8 o'clock on Saturday night if Georgia doesn't win the SEC championship and make the playoff. But I'm going to reserve my frustration and I'm going to reserve my disappointment till 8 o'clock on Saturday night. And I think it's important because – If you were looking at this game in 2017 and 2018, frankly, whatever emotion you were feeling, at least for me, I've been wrong twice. I was wrong before 2017. I didn't think we could win the game. I was wrong before 2018. I thought we were going to win the game. So for me, I guess the last couple of years has taught me one thing is, you know, let's, let's let the season play out before we decide whether or not it's been successful or a failure. Now, all of that said, I completely understand the reasoning for all the frustration that the Georgia fans have felt, and I've felt it too. Watching the Kentucky game, this was one week removed from the South Carolina loss, and then you watch Georgia go out and score zero points against Kentucky in the first half. And I was texting people, and I was hot. I was so frustrated because it felt like to me that the weather was so bad, and it was. It was terrible weather. But it it felt like to me that we were playing for a field goal to win that game three to nothing. And ever since then, it's been hard to get a really positive feeling about this team. 
because you went through six quarters from the South Carolina game to the first half of the Kentucky game really questioning what we were doing, especially offensively. Just question – you didn't understand it. And, and despite the fact that Georgia has beaten really good teams for the last few weeks until Tech – Tech's not a very good team – but those last four SEC games, Georgia beats Florida, Georgia beats Missouri, Georgia beats Auburn, then Georgia beats Texas A&M. All of those teams are decent. All of those teams are bowl teams, okay? Now, I'm not trying to say that it was the murderer's row, but you've got two teams in there that are ranked in the top 15. One of them is ranked in the top 10. Georgia beat some good teams over that time. And despite that, it has not really changed the fact that we got so low during those six quarters that you've really not seen anything, not even a 52-7 to drubbing of Tech, which is the biggest win in the history of that series for Georgia, still doesn't feel good because we're still all living at halftime of the Kentucky game. And I think that's fair. I, th- I think we haven't seen what we thought we would see this year as far as progression. So let's talk about some stats. Let's talk first just about Jake Fromm. So obviously this is Fromm's third season. His 2017 season, this is the year he takes us to the SEC championship game and a couple of plays away from winning a national championship. About 2,600 yards passing, 62% uh, completion percentage, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So we all remember the game manager, you know, coming off of 2016 and even, you know, though it was a supremely small sample size for Eason, he didn't score against App State in that first game before he got hurt. The offense wasn't moving. It was kind of getting a little bit, hey, what's going on? Then Fromm comes in and all of a sudden it's like it kicks into gear. And then it was, you know, good from there on out. He managed the game. He's throwing 15 passes a game, but he's completing a lot of them and we're winning. And that's all that really mattered. So from 2,600 yards up to about 2,750 from 2017 to 2018, Completion percentage went up to about 67%, 30 touchdowns in 2018, only six interceptions. So if I made you, and if this was interactive and I could have you guess at some numbers right now, you'd probably think from was, I don't know, the way we feel, maybe he's passed for about 75 yards, you know, five touchdowns and 400 interceptions, because that's the way we all feel about his performance this year. But he is on pace, and the reason I say on pace is those other numbers included bowl games. So it's unfair to take where he is right now and say, okay, that's, let's compare a 12-game season to a 15- and a 14-game season. So what I've done is I've projected his stats for this year through 14 games. He will have more yards. He's on pace to have more yards this year than he had last year, and, of course, more than he had in 2017. And then 25 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's where he's on pace for. So maybe the problem that Georgia fans are facing is that it's not that Jake Fromm is playing so much worse this year than he's played previously. The problem is Jake Fromm hasn't progressed. There was progression from year one to year two, from his freshman year to his sophomore year. But what we're seeing in his junior season is Maybe a little bit of a step back. I mean, the yards are right there. I mean, it's very comparable. And we're talking about 40 yards or so different this year, what he's on pace to do than he did last year. Touchdowns down a little bit. Interceptions down. So 
the reality is Jake Fromm's exactly the same guy as he was last year, and he's pretty much exactly the same guy he was as a freshman. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is the running game's not the same. The difference is that we haven't scored touchdowns. We've been kicking field goals. But Jake Fromm has not regressed as much as we think he has. Now, he has also not progressed. And I think there is a a viable argument or a viable frustration to be had for a guy that does not continue to get better. But Jake Fromm hasn't changed the Georgia's offense and their ability to gain yards and score points overall has changed. So let's talk about total offense. In 2017, I'm going to give you the rank as far as like the national rank, but I'm also going to give you the yards per game. And the reason both are relevant is because, you know, you could rank 15th and go down in offense, but if, you know, offenses around the country go up, then your ranking can change, you know, based on other teams, whereas the yards per game is pretty a good way of kind of gauging whether or not the offense has been more effective or less effective. 2017, Georgia's offense ranked 32nd in the nation with 435 yards per game average. Last year in 2018, they go from 32nd to 18th yards per game, increases by 30 to 465 yards per game. This year, Georgia's offense ranks 55th, 421 yards per game. Now, yards per game, they are only down 44 yards off of last season's average. That's 44 yards per game. That's four first downs. Now, why do I say that? Well, I say that because if they had those four yard, those 40 yards, they would actually be ranked this year. Instead of 55th, they'd go all the way up to 16th if they were averaging that 465 yards per game. Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, now you're just starting to say a lot of numbers. What does it all mean? What it all means is this. The ranking is down significantly. The yards per game are down about four first downs a game. But, we're kind of in the same area. The offense is relatively the same. I mean, when you're talking about maybe being down, I mean, what are we talking right there? About 10%? I mean, it makes a big difference. If they were up 10%, they'd be over 500 yards a game and ranked in the top five, but they're down 10%. And it's a small percentage, but at the end of the day, we, we can see how close maybe they are. And I think that's where I'm at right now. That as bad as it feels like the offense has been, we're four first downs away from being ranked in the top 20. So when you head into the SEC championship game this weekend, if you want to feel positive, we're not so far behind that it's unthinkable that Georgia could come out, make a few plays that they haven't been making consistently this year, and really change the overall dynamic of this offense. So if, from a statistical standpoint, Jake Fromm is pretty much the same guy he's been since he got to Georgia, and from a statistical standpoint, our offense, while the ranking has gone down, the total output is in the neighborhood of where we've been before. What's, what's happened? What's changed? Why do we feel the way we feel? Is it real or is it imagined? It is real, and let me tell you why. 
offensive football has changed and the majority of Georgia fans have a legitimate concern that Kirby Smart's pro style offense has become antiquated. And if you want to think about an antiquated offense, let's, let's go back a year and think about Paul Johnson and the triple option. Paul Johnson was moderately successful at Georgia Tech with that triple option offense. If you actually look, and as I was doing some research for the last few years, Tech's offense was ranked very highly as far as total offense goes. They were moving the ball with that gimmicky triple option, but they weren't winning. They weren't winning big. They weren't winning championships. They weren't winning divisional championships, let alone ACC championships, or ever even getting close to the idea of being in the top 25 or the playoff for the majority of the last few years. But the real reason that Georgia fans feel the way they do is because they watch other teams. If we just watched our team, if you watched one game every Saturday and you stayed away from highlights and you just watched Georgia, you'd feel a lot differently about this team. But when you turn the TV on and you see all of these other offenses throwing the ball all around the field to these seemingly wide open wide receivers, streaking down the field for long touchdowns, racking up five, 600 yards a game in total offense, you think to yourself, why not Georgia? And then you take it a step further and you say, wait, 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 we've got a five-star quarterback. We've got a five-star running back. We've got a five, two five-star offensive tackles. We've got five stars all over the field at wide receiver. Why in the name of all things holy are we sitting here watching an offense that was effective in winning championships six or seven years ago at Alabama, but that's not even the way Alabama's play it anymore. The case for Georgia to completely overhaul their offense is the team that Georgia is playing this Saturday in the SEC championship game. I'm going to give you some more statistics real quick, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. Total offense ranks for LSU, going back to 2015. No, they were 39th in 2015, 437 yards per game. 2016, 59th, 423 yards per game. 2017, 54th in the country, 411 yards per game. 2018, 68th in the country, 402 yards per game. All of those numbers, if you can kind of remember back a few minutes, I know I keep throwing a lot of stats at you, so I try to give you some context with it. All of those numbers sound really, really familiar because it's exactly where Georgia has been, right in that 420 to 460 yards per game. So, Georgia's offense this year, last year, and the year before is right there with LSU. So what's the difference this year? Well, the difference this year is the LSU Tigers are second in the nation with 561 yards per game of total offense. Let's talk about some specific players. Joe Burrow, who at this point, unless he goes out against Georgia on Saturday and has a horrible, and I mean horrible game, it's going to win the Heisman Trophy. This year, 4,366 yards, 78.3 completion percentage, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions. Last year, now, I didn't do the same thing with Burroughs' numbers that I did with Georgia's offensive numbers for this or for Fromm, and here's why. In a full season, bowl game, everything last year, 
only 2,900 yards for Burrow, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. 16 touchdowns last year with the bowl game included. This year, 12 games, no bowl game, 44 touchdowns. He went from completing 58% of his passes to almost 80% of his passes. Total yards, 2,900 yards passing last year. This year, already 4,366. If he has just a normal game, let's say he passes for 250, which I'll tell you right now, you tell Kirby Smart today that Joe Burrow is only going to pass for 250 yards in this game, he'll take it in a heartbeat. If he passes for 250, he's going to be around 48 or, uh, sorry, 4,600 for the year. So his his total yardage without the bowl games, so we're still going to have some playoff games for LSU, he's already increased almost 2,000 yards off of last year. So you may be thinking, okay, so what players did they get that changed their offense so dramatically? Because that's what Georgia needs. We need to go out and get different players. They're doing it with the same players they had last year. Their running back, their leading running back last year was uh, – he rushed for about 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns. This year, leading running back, 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns. Receivers. Last year, their leading receiver had 875 yards and six touchdowns. This year, 1,457 yards, 17 touchdowns. All of those players that I just – I didn't give you names because I thought it would be a little bit too confusing. All of the players – that I just mentioned, Burrow, their running back, their number one wide receiver in catches, and their number one wide receiver in yards this year, they're all on the team last year for the offense that was 68th in the country. Last year, their leading receiver, as I just said, had 875 yards. This year, they have two different receivers that have gone over 1,000 yards receiving. I don't know right now what's going to happen on Saturday night. I don't know if Georgia's defense, as great as it is, can slow down this LSU offense enough to give the Georgia offense the ability to be in this game. But what I do know is, unless Georgia goes on a run over the next six weeks that ends in early to mid-January with Georgia winning the national championship, the team that every Georgia fan is going to point to and say, this is what I want next year are the LSU Tigers. Because if Ed Orgeron and LSU can go from being a middle-of-the-pack offense for the last four or five years and transform themselves in one year without the addition of any players into one of the most potent offenses, not just this year, but in college football history, if they can do it, we can do it. So what needs to change? Kirby Smart's mentality. Throughout this season, Kirby has insisted that Georgia is playing the way they want to play. They want to run the ball. They want to play ball control. They want to not make mistakes. They want to be in control at all points, which is the same way that that's how he grew up. If you want to think about it from a coaching perspective, he grew up under Saban. And that's the way Saban was winning national championships in 20, 2009, 2011, 2012. That's what Saban did. And that's how Alabama won those national championships. And Georgia's been pretty successful. Let's, let's, let's don't forget that. Georgia's been successful doing it the Kirby way. But what we've seen this year is 
there's more than just the Kirby way. And with the elite talent Georgia has on offense, there's no reason to settle for less than excellence. And I think for me, that's where I'm at. I don't know what happened Saturday night, but if Georgia loses this game, let's say 28 to 13, because our offense could not score 30 points, I'm going to be hot. I'm going to be real hot because we've got a five-star quarterback. We've got a five-star running back. We have two five-star tackles. We have two five-star receivers. For all of the talk about the fact that we're replacing all of these receivers and all of this other stuff, and it's all true, and there's some legitimacy to it. It's the end of the year now. This is not the Vandy game. This is not early in the season when it's like, oh, well, by the, you know, they've got to get to know each other and all that. Don't tell me that Lawrence Cager, who was a fine player at Miami, but he was not exactly blowing things up at Miami. Don't tell me he's the only guy on this roster that can go out there and get open. There are things that Joe Brady, who is the passing game coordinator, Hear what I'm saying. This man is not the offensive coordinator. He's the passing game coordinator for LSU. There are things that he is doing that has opened this offense up and completely transformed it from number 68 and 400 yards of total offense last year to number two and 560 yards of total offense this year. So who's our Joe Brady? Everybody wants to criticize James Coley, and that's fine, And I think there have been times this year where you really do have to question the play calling. But for me, this isn't about James Coley. It's not about Jake Fromm. And it's not about the the offense as far as their production. We're playing offense in a way that doesn't leave us any room for margin. We're playing offense to be able to convert on third down, to control the clock, to save the defense from having to go right back out there over and over and over because we score too quick, which is kind of what you saw in the Iron Bowl. The reason that game was almost played in the 50s was because the offense for Alabama kept scoring so much and so quickly. You know, long touchdown passes, kick returns for touchdowns. The defense got gassed because they had turned around and walked back out there again. Kirby doesn't like to play that way. He doesn't like to speed it up as much because he wants the defense to be rested. But here's the deal. We got 20-something guys that are playing on defense every single week. We have the defensive depth that probably – maybe two, three, four teams in the whole country can say they have. Georgia is actually more built on defense to handle the type of offense that goes out, plays fast, and throws the ball around than most of the teams that actually do that. Way more than Auburn. Auburn's got the top-end players. They don't have the depth that Georgia has. I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't think anybody in the country has the depth on defense that Georgia has. And Georgia's defense is just going to get better. This year, Georgia's got one of the best defenses in the country. I think you can pick different stats that you want to use, but they got one of, you know, definitely one of the best rush defenses. The pass defense is above average. It's going to get better next year. We're not losing a lot of guys. So, for me, the way I've felt about the offense this year I don't want to feel this way next year, and I don't think we have to. No matter whether or not we're able to win or lose this game on Saturday night, Kirby Smart is going to have to make a big decision at the end of this year as to how he wants to play offense. I've heard a lot of people 
over the last couple of weeks specifically talking about Mike Bobo. We're going to fire James Coley. Bobo's going to get fired at Colorado State. I can't remember if it was Kirby was the best man at Bobo's wedding or vice versa. But Kirby and Bobo are close. And that's going to be the solution to all of Georgia's problems. We fire Coley. We bring in Bobo. We win national championships. That's what I see right now, or what's what I'm hearing a lot from Georgia fans. Coley's not the problem. Fromm is not the problem. The philosophy is the problem. And you can bring in anybody you want. And if Kirby Smart's not going to listen to them, if Kirby Smart is not going to take the reins off of them, it's not going to matter. James Coley is about 40 years old. (laughs) James Coley is not one of these old school, you know, Chaney, you could say, oh, well, his offense is philosophy. That's, That's how he likes to play. That's how he's always liked to play, more conservative. Coley's not that. Coley's an offensive guy. I don't think about this for just one second, okay? If you've ever coached football, even at like the very basic, like Pop Warner, you know, kind of little league level, if you're an offensive person, you want to go score. If you're a defensive person, you want to kind of slow everything down and play good defense, and you don't mind winning a game nine to six. You're telling me that the offensive coordinator wants to play conservatively and average 20 points a game? Absolutely not. The coach does. And Kirby Smart has done almost every single thing right since he's gotten to Georgia. And he may still be right about this. If his defense can go out there, and I know he'll give credit to Dan Lanning for the defense and and all the defensive coaches, but it's his defense as far as scheme goes. If his defense can go out there and stop the number two offense in the nation enough to where Georgia can win this game, maybe my mind can be changed. But see, I don't think Georgia's going to be able to do that. And here comes my Tuesday lean. Right now, I feel like Georgia loses by two touchdowns. And I don't feel like it's, you know, 44 to 30. I feel like Georgia's going to lose this game 28 to 14. Something like that where we're just unable to produce a normal amount of offense. We don't have to go out and score 52 on LSU. But nothing that's happened over the last few weeks has given me confidence that this team can go out and will be allowed to play in a way to let their best players make plays. And that includes Jake Fromm. So for all of the people that are hating Jake Fromm, when you run and you're conservative on first and second down, and when you run plays that you're basically trying to trick them when you do throw, our offense is just backwards a lot of the time with the play calling and the way we approach it. But you put any quarterback in the country in third and long, as much as Jake Fromm has spent his entire career at Georgia in third and long, and you show me somebody that's better than him. He has done a remarkable job with what he's been given. And Kirby's done a remarkable job doing what he's been doing. I listened to a podcast from The Athletic with Andy Staples, and he refers to Georgia as there's boring Georgia and there's fun Georgia. And, and Staples believes that this team, as presently constituted, can be fun Georgia. They got to be fun Georgia if they're going to go out and beat LSU. 
because I don't think we can play the way we've been playing strategically and win this game. As good as our defense is, they are not. They can't be that good. You're going to have to be fun Georgia on Saturday night if you're going to win this game. Now, I think we have the players. I think we have the quarterback. I think we have the receivers. I don't care that Pickens is out for the first half. Blaylock's good. We have guys that can catch the ball. We have to be aggressive. We have to go out there and attack instead of constantly thinking that a punt is a good play. That's old school mentality, and that old school mentality has proven to not be enough. Kirby hasn't worried. He's talked about the fact that he doesn't worry about style points. Well, we should. We should worry about style points because if we'd have been worried about style points against South Carolina, maybe we go out there and beat them 30-17 to 17 like we should have instead of playing around with them the entire game and then miss a field goal in double overtime to lose the game. Our philosophy has to change. And no matter what happens on Saturday night, I don't think my mind's going to change about that. I feel like I failed you a little bit with this podcast. Maybe this is the first time this year that I didn't really have a great plan going into it. I just, I wanted to talk about how I'm feeling because I feel like despite the success, despite 11 and one, despite controlling our own destiny as only four teams in the country do right now, despite all of that, this feels so much different than it has the last couple of years. And I think there is a balance between being happy with the results on the field, but understanding that moving forward, some things are going to have to change if we expect those results to stay the same. There's things changing in the SEC right now. Whether Jake Fromm stays or goes, and, and, and be very frank, I don't think Jake Fromm's going anywhere. I think Fromm stays another year, and I think that's probably good for Georgia, and I think it's probably good for him. We have running backs. We have receivers. We can lose Andrew Thomas. Is there going to be a step? All, like, does the offensive line take a step down? Probably, but not a huge one. So we are going to be good for a while. The question is, are we going to be elite? And to this point, even with the run that Georgia went on in 2017, I don't think you've looked at Georgia at any point following that Auburn game in 2017 and thought, that's the best team in the country. You just haven't. And we've been recruiting at a level where we're probably one of the, if not the most talented teams in the country. But the way we play has limited our ability to be dominant. Now, none of the dominant conversation has anything to do with Saturday. So as we get into the rest of this week, we got our viewing guide coming up on Thursday, as we always do. We've got our SEC championship game preview. I'll break it all down, give you even more statistics. We'll talk about what is a really interesting piece of College football, you know, the question. Great offense versus great defense, who wins? We're going to find out on Saturday night because we talked a lot about offense in this podcast because that's where I wanted to focus all of this. But Georgia has a great defense. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look back at some other times when great offenses played great defenses in college football and pro football history. And what was the result? How did it go? And maybe that gives us a little bit of insight to what we'll see on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. 
And then, again, different a little bit this week. No matter what happens on Saturday night, there will be a podcast coming out either late Saturday night or first thing Sunday morning with my raw and real reaction to the SEC championship game. That might be a little bit dangerous, but I think it's going to be worth doing. So I hope you'll come back the rest of the week. Uh, This is probably the longest podcast I've ever done. So if you've listened this far, thank you so much for hanging with me. I'm a little bit in personal turmoil when it comes to this team. I think most of you are too. But we'll end on hope. And maybe, just maybe on Saturday night when this game is over, we'll all be thinking, hey, it wasn't so bad after all. Thanks so much for listening. As always, go dogs.